Welcome to another episode of the Cook, Eat, Nourish podcast with me, Fiona Staunton. Today, I'm talking to Blanca Valencia, all about the new book, Soup, which she has written with the authors of the Spice Bags podcast, Dee Laffin and Mei Chin. They take you on a journey around the globe from the comfort of communities within Ireland. Soups have been collected to reflect individual cultures, memories and tastes. And they also are a reflection of the Irish food today and people behind it. I hope you enjoy this podcast and make sure you listen to the end to get her top three tips to improve your health. Enjoy. So welcome to my podcast, Blanca. Would you like to introduce yourself to my audience? Yeah. Hi, I'm Blanca Valencia. I am the co-host of Spice Bags podcast, which is a podcast about international communities and food in Ireland. I'm also a Spanish uh, food and drink expert. So I do a lot of events about Spanish food, cooking, wine, different things. Um, And also I'm a mother and I love uh, cooking at home. I think that's one of the biggest challenges. So I'm always trying to find ways to cook healthy meals um, at home. So that's how I know Fiona, because um, she did a class for a group of friends about fermentation. And I'm still fermenting, Fiona. Yay, that's brilliant. Thank you. Especially kimchi. (laughs) Great. Great. I love it. Yeah, I have that most days. Um, So some of you might recognize uh, Blanca's voice there, and I can never pronounce her surname as well as she can. Um, She was on episode number five I had, where we spoke about Spanish food and lots lots about the extra virgin olive oil. And her three tips then were about cooking pulses weekly and develop recipes around them. The second one was the organic box and uh, learn how to cook with seasonal produce. And the third was to get a pressure cooker or an instant pot to speed up cooking. A lot has happened since then. So Blanca, would you like to fill me in as what has happened since we recorded that one, which was just just pre-COVID, wasn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Well, um, I decided to do a master's in gastronomy and food studies at TU Dublin. And I loved it. It was, I learned so much. I especially loved the cookbook, historic cookbook class. But uh, I finished my thesis uh, last September. And then um, I guess right before COVID, uh, we started the podcast. And that's been a big uh, uh, and fabulous journey that's taken us to meet so many different people from so many different communities. And we've done things in Taste of Dublin, in Food on the Edge, and now this cookbook that we pitched to Kristen Jensen from Blaster Books, because uh, we realized that soup is kind of the thing that draws everybody together. And it's just kind of like your most basic food, when, especially when you're not in your home, you always feel like soup brings you back to your home. So this this cookbook has been kind of like the culmination of all the meetings and podcasts that we've done in spice bags and and also we've brought people from other parts of our lives into the podcast it's a into the book it's a very mixed um mixed personalities which i i adore about the cookbook great so before we delve into the cookbook which i ordered and got last week um what was your thesis on my thesis was on protected denomination of origin in ireland uh so ireland doesn't have Uh, a a hugely developed protected denomination of origin. That's products that have a historic link, 
uh, and a geographical link. Um, so I studied, for example, like the Waterford Blah, which is probably the best example of uh, a PGI uh, product. That's a geographical indication. And I, I, it's just, it was fascinating just to see the potential that Ireland has for creating more products, but it just seems at the moment uh, it's more, it's too bureaucratic. I think that that needs to, it needs to get easier for people to apply for these type of, um, um, it's a seal of quality from the EU. Yeah. But okay. Well, actually, I saw a lot of potential. Yeah. I might come back to you, do a podcast on that one, because I, I think that'll be really interesting. So First of all, for those of you who who don't know um, the podcast, I think it's great. And I think the name is uh, fantastic. Would you like to describe where Spice Bags, the name came from? Well, it was our, our co-host or initial co-host, Julia Langbein said, well, we're Spice Bags, you know, it's uh, we're kind of immigrants, you know, and Spice Bag is an immigrant dish that was invented by the Chinese community to attract Irish people. And, you know, for those of you who have never had a spice bag, it's chicken with spices and a little bit of chili. Uh, and you can buy the spices ready mixed. Um, and my kids tell anyway. me there's vegetables in there as well. And I think it's yeah. just a, a small passing of a the sliver, tiny bit. Of a sliver of pepper. But, um, but yeah, so we felt or Julia felt, oh, we're spice bags. Um, so we've we kind of include like anybody who's in a marriage, maybe from somebody like D. Laffan, who's in a marriage with somebody who's Brazilian, things like that. So fantastic. Kind of. And I think it's it's so lovely because um, Ireland has changed o a lot over the years. So when I grew up there, there wasn't much of an immigrant culture. And, you know, it was very standard um you know, traditional fare that was available. And now it is fantastic. So I think it's great what you have all done together in um, in the book Soup. So would you like to maybe explain where the concept or the idea came from? Uh, so, yeah, we were doing a podcast about soup and we, we realized that even though we were um, all interested in soup, we had very, very different takes. So for me, uh, one of my favorite soups is gazpacho, which is almost like a smoothie or a cold soup. But in Spain, we have it as a drink. And then for D, it was uh, a blended soup because I, I do notice Irish people love blending soups. And then May, it was more, you know, something that had some texture to it. And in China, blended soups, May is not from China, to Ch Chinese American, but in China, there isn't a lot of blended soups. So everything has to be there in, you know, in, in its form, like chopped up or, you know. So it was really interesting how we could have such a long discussion about soup and what soup meant to us. So we decided at one point, oh, we should do a cookbook about soups and ask people, what are your favorite soups? And we, we thought there were so many soups that you don't get to eat when you go out, especially in Dublin, we were saying, oh, I'd love to go out and have more borscht or vodvinka or Colombian ajiaco. So we, we decided to collect those recipes. And can you give me what is your definition then or your understanding for blended soups? So blended soups, um, I guess, are, you know, carrot and ginger or potato. They're soups that you put in a blender. And, you know, in the past, people would use a muli 
Yes. And it was quite laborious. And I think because it was so laborious, it was considered refined. Okay. Yeah. So I, I imagine that's why blended soups have this kind of privilege placed in, in the minds of, of, of soup consumers because it, it, it was something laborious. It, you needed somebody to make it. Whereas now we just blitz it before you had to get a muli or a chinois, you know, those conical yep. and pass it through. So imagine if you serve that to your friends, you know, a hundred years ago, they must've thought, Oh my goodness, Fiona is a millionaire uh, landowner, you know, <laughs> whereas now, you know, they've lost their value, but yeah, blended soups um, in Sp in Spanish. When you talk about blended soups, we have a separate name. We call them cream, like cream of carrot, cream of corn. Okay. So there's always a distinction in, in Spain when you say crema and you say sopa. Okay. Okay. And I was reading the introduction, uh, particularly in your one about what soup means to me and the story about your father's garlic soup, etc. <laughs> Would I, I find that intriguing. Would you like to tell us a little bit about that? Well, it's it's just interesting how Spain is so um, varied and not it's not a homogeneous country at all. And a lot of the times people have this image of Spain as a sunny uh, flamenco culture. But in reality, it's very very varied so just even within my own family the food that my dad would eat and my mom would eat would be fairly different and gazpacho was my mom's favorite soup slash drink because it's also a drink whereas my dad has these kind of very austere garlic um soups and you know he puts like a tiny bit of chorizo and a tiny bit of ham just um but it's it's a really austere kind of, you know, incomprehensible to people who are not from that region. I love that soup, but a lot of people are like, what? Like garlic, bread, yeah, water. That's the basic soup. Okay, fascinating. And um, one of the questions you ask in the book is, when is the right time to have soup? Looks like yeah. there's a bit of debate on that one. Yeah, we were saying... Um, and, and also how to serve it. So uh, the first time I came to Ireland and people had soup for lunch, it just, I didn't get it. I was, how can you just have soup? Because in Spain, lunch is the main meal of the day and you would have a small three course meal. So I was always hungry. And I always say like the first times I went to visit my husband's family, I was a little bit perplexed and hungry that I only got a bowl of soup. Uh, in the beginning, I was like, no, but to me, it's kind of reversed. I, I want to eat more lunch and less dinner. So, uh, but we also discussed how so many cultures have soup for breakfast, like miso for breakfast or congee, which I adore congee. It's one of my favorite, favorite things to make. Uh, I'm experimenting at making it with uh, brown rice. Okay. Um. But yeah, I just love that that feeling. My my kids don't like it. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I love that feeling of waking up and having congee. Okay. And one hack that May um, taught us was using, um, you know, churros. I mean, that's if you're feeling uh, that you need a treat, like because they have the congee with this type of churro, like yotiao, like a fried dough. Mm-hmm. Um, and she also uses the, um, what what do you call the, what you serve with uh, Yorkshire pudding? It's like a, a pop bread. 
um you put it in a tin in the oven and it kind of pops up it's yeah like a, that's a yorkshire jo- pudding yorkshire yeah. pudding yeah. yeah so she also says you can buy yorkshire pudding in marks and spencers and serve it with kanji that's like for for a, a very kind of saturday i'm feeling really relaxed but i love that savory uh soup breakfast and of course you know irish people like my husband he doesn't he he doesn't get congee or miso for breakfast i make it sometimes in the pressure cooker the congee i have to say put my hand up i have never eaten congee um oh the look of it doesn't appeal to me no uh, it i looks, do love yeah. miso uh, when i make a lovely chicken bone broth and i put it in with me oh i just i do love miso and i could easily have mm. that for breakfast snack whenever uh, but maybe I need to put kanji on, on one of my um next time I go for yum cha, I'll go for some kanji. <laughs> yeah, no, go go try it in, in a restaurant first and then make it. Yeah. So garnishes. What would you suggest for garnishes and soup? I think people always forget how important that visual element and that texture element is. But um I I love um putting I don't know a little bit of ham that's because my Spanish side like a little bit of ham I love herbs I love uh we were talking how in the book the tortilla soup which is delicious it's just a little tiny very light broth full of garnishes and it makes that soup if if I could recommend one soup to make it would be that one because it's it's a soup that just says celebration. I don't know why the more garnishes you have when you're serving that soup, the more uh, excitement you get at the table. But in reality, the soup is just a very, very thin ancho chili and uh, tomato broth. And I remember Dee's face when she tried it without the garnishes. She just didn't get it. She was, what is this soup about? And I said, well, just wait a minute. And then when I put all the garnishes, she was like, oh, I get it now. But uh, yeah, it's a soup that needs the the garnishes. But I don't know. I love anything. Like I've been known to put, you know, I guess the American tradition of putting crackers like into your soup, into your like seafood soups or uh, croutons are lovely cheese. But also um, now that I'm very much more aware of uh, eating as healthy as possible, I, I always put a little bit of uh, olive oil. But mm. not just any olive oil, just a very um, early harvest, very fancy olive oil, maybe like one little teaspoon. But I think that also soups sometimes that don't have a huge amount of flavor, they're improved by that little bit of olive oil, extra virgin olive oil. Yes. OK. Yeah, I would love I love putting a bit of extra virgin olive oil on, on my soup. Um. Okay, so one question I was going to ask you is I haven't cooked anything from the dish yet. You've already answered my question, but I'm going to mm. dive into that <laughs> recipe if I can. Um, mm. You would suggest the tortilla soup. Is that right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> now, how do I find that soup? Oh, here it is. Okay, so just to describe to our listeners, in this book, uh, there aren't any photographs of the food, but there are illustrations of uh, each of the dishes. So do you want to talk me through this recipe on page 52 of the Mexican tortilla soup, Blanca? Yeah, so this soup is basically a a soup that is made in Mexico when people have uh, leftover stale corn tortillas 
they um they put them so there's two textures in the soup there's the tortilla like in the soup that you can put in and that thickens the soup and then there's the fried tortilla crisps at the top yeah okay but um so the soup is made it's a broth that's made with ancho chili and ancho chili to me is a magical ingredient it's a little bit smoky but has this raisin um chocolatey i adore ancho chili i always have it i get it from lily uh, ramirez from picado okay her shop um so those are the basic ingredients ancho chili tomato and onion and garlic and then you make the broth and then you enrich it by adding the tortillas uh and i really do think you need to buy like tortillas and fry them obviously if you are not that way inclined if you're like i don't love to fry i only fry for this soup but you can get you know um blanco nino tortillas he's Totopos are really good, so I would use a little bit, crumble them up, and put them in the soup as a as a hack. Um, but yeah, it's a soup that has you can make it with chicken, you can make it with fish. It has a little bit of avocado, the lime juice. Um, you can make this soup perfectly without the tortillas, also. So if you're like thinking I'm not gonna eat something like that, I don't I don't like tortillas or. You can also have this soup without the tortillas, and it's a, a, a delicious soup. I, I just dream of this soup. I want um, someone in my neighborhood to sell it so I can just go and eat it whenever <laughs> I want. Um, <laughs> and this soup, uh, this is from Food Truck El Milagro. They make it sometimes. And I just think this soup deserves to be, it's just this beautiful soup that deserves to have to be known by everybody. Okay, and sorry, just to backtrack there, you said that it is sold in, in food trucks and festivals around in, in Dublin, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Julian uh, from El Milagro has it in his food truck sometimes, yeah. Or when he does pop-ups in different places. Okay. And um, in terms of soup, <clears throat> in my training would have all been about the, the stock being the important starting yeah. point of, of the soup. What are your thoughts on, you know, making a stock or using a bouillon or whatever it might be? So I, because I am a big fan of the instant pot, I make uh, chicken stock. I would always have chicken stock or I would make it. Um, I find beef a little bit more challenging. So either I don't use it, I use chicken. Um, and then for vegetable, I do use sometimes marigold, but I also make vegetable stock because it's so easy. And fish stock, if I'm making, you know, a fish soup, I'd make it. The only one that I find is just too time consuming. And it's not easy to get the bones. You need you need to go to the butcher and ask for this and ask for that. Um, would be beef, but I wouldn't have a lot of beef based uh, soups. But the chicken one is so easy to make. I just keep all the chicken bones. I buy chicken carcasses. I go to Buckley's uh, in Dean's Grange, get chicken carcasses, get, you know, different chicken pieces and make um, a, a strong broth that I can freeze in my super cubes. Have you seen those? Oh, my goodness. I am obsessed. Uh. It's a, a freezing tray that you freeze things in 
250 mil um, ah. rectangular cubes. So my freezer, I would have all sorts of frozen um, cubes. And it's called Super Cubes, is it? Uh, yeah, S-O-U-P-E-R. Ah, okay. Great. I will have a look at that and might pop the link in the show notes below. So <clears throat> for people who perhaps aren't uh, used to using an Instant Pot or a pressure cooker, you put, I mean, I would always suggest saving the tops and tails of your, your garlic and your carrots and your onions and keep them the herbs and keep them in the freezer until you're ready with your, your chicken. And I'll tend to use uh, an organic uh, carcass. How long do you put it? How long or how quickly is it made in the Instant Pot or a pressure cooker? 20 minutes. Okay. I put it 20 minutes. You can put it longer, but... um. Wow. I just think the Instant Pot is... You know, it's electric, so you can walk away and leave it. I have I have another pressure cooker, which is uh, a normal pressure cooker. Um, I have two because they they work differently. So I like one for certain things and the electric one for other things. But yeah, I just think um, make having chicken stock and vegetable stock is so accessible. If if you have a pressure cooker, it makes it much quicker. That's true, Where's and it that? saves a lot of energy. I tend to go the other way and I do the slow cooker for 24 yeah. hours. Yeah. So but next time I'm going to try my instant pot and do it for 20 minutes yeah. and yeah. Um, yeah, save myself loads of time. Okay. So any, let guide me to another recipe in the book that you would like to talk about that you actually, can I ask you about one that I had earmarked and I thought mm -hmm. sounded nice was the, um, on page 28, Harira, Moroccan soup with chickpeas, lentils, oh, I love and that, jelly yeah. and lamb. I know you're a fan of lentils, so. Yeah. Well, Harira is really one of the classic soups of Morocco. And okay. um, it's one of my favorite. I had I had made I had been making the soup for years. Um, so it's it's part of my my repertoire. Um, oh. I make this all the time. I have in many cases already cooked lentils and cooked chickpeas, you know, and I just use those. Okay. But, um, and I use, you know, sometimes I make it with different cuts of lamb, depending on what I have. Like if I have lamb, um, like for a stew or for a tagine, um, I'll make it with that. But this soup is just really, really delicious. And what I didn't know was, the lovely garnishes, the hard boiled egg and the dates and the lemon wedges, that this is how people break their fast at Ramadan. So I started serving that the soup with the garnishes and it was a real game changer because it just makes the soup so much more interesting. And obviously you have, you know, the protein from the eggs and, you know, the fiber and sweetness from the from the dates and also that from the lemon. So I had never done those three garnishes. Okay. So and so I, I love that. Glancing through the recipe here, you're using a uh, lamb neck with the bone on, but you're not actually cooking it for a very long time. Is is that correct? Uh, I think you cook it because then you, you, uh, you add the lentils. So you're, you're adding the lamb and then you're adding the lentils and then, yeah, so you're cooking it. I think in total, it's like 40 minutes. But this is another soup that I would make in the Instant Pot. Anything okay. that has uh, a tough cut of meat or neck, I would 
cook it individually, like, you know, the different parts. Mm -hmm. So I would have chickpeas. I always have frozen chickpeas, frozen lentils. So in this case, I would just pressure cook that the the um, the yeah. lamb separately. Yeah, I just I just find it like if you have to wait, like I guess in this one, we're using a tin of chickpeas, but I personally wouldn't use tins. I would always buy the chickpeas dried. Okay, so in this type yeah. of one, you might take the the shortcut is having your, you know, your lamb cooked separately, your lentils and your chickpeas, yeah. and then put all of the ingredients together. Put it all together, yeah. And then, me, me, yeah. But you could also, I've also, you could also use, you don't have to use the lamb uh, with the with the bone. You could just use, you know, your standard lamb stew meat, which would take, you know, whatever, 45 minutes, depending on the on the cut. Okay. And the fat in the, in it. You wanted, I mean, you wanted to have a little bit of fat in that meat. Uh, but, you know, to get this lamb neck, you have to go to the um, to the butcher. So it's something that I would normally plan and have it in my freezer, the, the lamb neck. Okay, so would you serve that then as a main meal or? Yeah. yeah, 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 as okay. a main meal. I might serve a little bit of rice on the side or something, you know, just... But you, this is a, this is to me, it's a main meal, and maybe you know a little bit of fruit for for dessert, yeah. And um, what other ones would you highlight from the the book? I love um, Camilla from Momo in Waterford. Her vodvinka was a real, real revelation, and I thought the that um, this is her take on kind of a, a beetroot soup. I'm always surprised how little beetroot people consume. Um, and this soup just has so many colors, so many vegetables, so many, um, so much fiber, really. It's just a beautiful, it's a beautiful soup. Um, it's in page, on page 16. So. So we've got, just, um, yeah, yeah. So we've got carrots, parsnip, celeriac, leek, garlic, whole spice, yeah. bay leaves and water. And that's for the that's stock. The, okay. Yeah, yeah. And then on the next page, we've got dried mushrooms, beetroots, carrots, potatoes, broccoli, great beetroot or, or gavas. So we're getting lots of different um, vegetables into that. Okay, yeah. I'll that one. Yeah, and then the dill. It's it's a real uh, and and you know it's a real delicious soup. And dill is also something that you know we normally don't use a lot of dill in Ireland or in Spain, but I just thought that soup was so elegant and so healthy and, you know, also so traditional, but, you know, it all, all also, I think, oh my goodness, Polish food has so many elements that we could be cooking from, you know, especially all the fermented products. But this soup is um, a real combination of a traditional soup that has so much, you know, it, there's no, there's no, no ingredient here that's not healthy. Like there's no, like oh and add these fried tortillas you know this is pure um it's like a spy in a bowl I'm like like I really feel <laughs> really good when I have it yeah but also she's she's made the, the the you know her interpretation is so elegant I would be very happy to serve this soup as a you know at a dinner party it's 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 a beautiful beautiful soup and, and it looks beautiful dried wild mushrooms add that really oh. nice umami depth of flavor yeah yeah 
and the 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 um, the beetroot, the cavast. Yes. Yeah, I had never used that before, so I thought that was really, really an interesting ingredient. Okay, and any other one? Oh, yeah. Okay, so let's talk about the um, page thirty-seven. You have a about a, a piece on freezing, which I I think you've obviously given us the super cubes. Um, yeah. Tip, but <clears throat> what do you think about uh freezing soups? Well, I think to me that's um how I work and and it's funny before I discovered super cubes I always thought I'd wish we I could freeze it into portions so I would freeze it into um bigger maybe 500 mil and then take it out but I I like freezing soups not not you can't freeze all soups but I like freezing and then taking out the the soup out of the Tupperware and then putting it in a bag and labeling it I just think it makes it so much easier. But I started, I guess, when I was younger, I would freeze in big portions. Then I was using the the Lakeland, like more 500 mil. And then I discovered super cubes. So that's perfect because super cubes, it's one portion and you can take it out and, you know, say, I'm going to have this. Or uh, when I send my daughter to school with a thermos, there's, uh, I can put, I know one super cube fits in this thermos. So I, I think soups are really easy to freeze and, and stocks and, and then, you know, legumes. So definitely freezing. I love uh, freezing. Mary Berry has a one of her first cookbooks was a freezer cookbook. And I've always been an admirer of her since I worked in Books for Cooks. So I searched for the book and I found it. And it's so funny how a book that is from the 70s can still be so relevant today. I'll show it to you one day, uh, Fiona. But, you know, all the tips she gives about freezing, about open freezing, about this um, incredible cookbook. Still, she could just change it a little bit and and publish it again. But uh, I find people don't use freezing as much as they as, as they could. But with soups, you know, just my fantasy is, um, you know, the show uh, Home Edit on Netflix, which is about organizing your pantry and freeze. Yep. So a freezer that you open up and it's all perfectly labeled. Wouldn't that be so nice? And you can just grab uh, whatever you want and no dinner. I mean, I love the feeling in the morning when you go, oh, I don't have to do anything for dinner tonight. Yeah, it's ready. Yeah. I've just taken it out of the freezer. Win. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm a, one of my downfalls is I'm not great at, at labeling. I usually know oh. what's there. <laughs> I'm labeling now just with uh, masking tape mm -hmm. and because I, you know, you're always like, I'm going to get some fancy labels. I'm going to get this, but no masking tape and just put it. But uh, yeah, I've had that issue where you're thinking, is this lamb or beef or is this, and then you have to defrost it to, it's like mystery. <laughs> and, you know, I found it very interesting in the introduction, because obviously this book is, is a collaboration with uh, Dee and May and yourself. Um, the the presence of commercially prepared soups, yeah, from childhood, from from both their memories. Now, I don't think it, it happened so much for you in Spain, but I no, think in, no. in New York and in Ireland, they both have childhood memories of you know packet soups. Um, yeah, which... I thought that was so interesting, um, and and it, it it's a good reflection about you know, being different or being an immigrant that, you know, how May, who writes so beautifully, she says that having these soups made her feel 
you know, she was part of, you know, her community or made her feel grown up um, having a, a Campbell's soup. I guess I, I never had that um, experience. I did. I do remember my dad starting to use packet soups when my mom um, started not feeling well. And I quickly told him this has to stop. <laughs> and I got him a Thermomix. And okay. he is a big Thermomix cooker now. Thermomix is a, I, I, if listeners don't know, it's a German machine that blends, crushes, whatever cooks. And it has guided cooking. So he just uses the guided cooking. But yeah. But, you know, a lot of people go back to, you know, their memories are associated with um, mass-produced um, soups, you know, just... Um, Campbell's I mean, or nor for yeah. me growing up I think um most soups that we would consume would have been homemade soups however the tins of the concentrated soup would be used to make like a chicken broccoli or a yeah, some type yeah. of pie or something so that's where they would come <laughs> in and also um when I used to come in from school and I'd be cold and hungry occasionally there'd be the cup of soup um yeah yeah but now, now I, as I say with the kids, they have miso. So I've miso with a bit of chicken broth and it, it's lovely coming in. But it, it's really interesting yeah. to, to hear yeah. all of the um, all of the stories. And I look forward to trying some of the recipes. And one of them I've just opened here, which reminds me about the, the vessels that soup are served in. So the beer and cheese soup is served inside <laughs> the loaf of bread. Yeah. Um, That's so American. It's yeah. That's Eamon McDonald's recipe. I, I thought that was so funny because it's so American. It's quintessentially American. And the, I remember the soup terrine I used to all, we used to have, you know, when we oh, were yeah. training and everything and the home economics, everything would be, you know, the soup terrine would be used. What other um, interesting vessels have you come across from, from different cultures? I love, um, I always have the miso cups. So I have both the plastic version and the enamel version. I love that. I just think there's something lovely about a little uh, bowl with a little lid. So I got them in a restaurant supply shop. And, 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 and you know, you can also make the steamed eggs in, in I make, I make them in the microwave. Um, in, it, also, I have ceramic ones. I love, I just think that serving soups in different bowls makes a big difference. And when you look at the way Japanese people serve, everything is just in beautiful containers and the ceramic and the different, like they, they don't have matching um, crockery. Like I think in the West, um, I also love in Spain, they have a gazpacho set in the south of that you can buy a bowl with the matching bowls and i love just if you serve a gazpacho in something like that it makes a big difference we also um talked uh, in the book about colombian uh barro negro it's a, a black ceramic and you can see it in a lot of fancy ceramic shops um it's like it's called la chamba and you can cook with it but you can also serve and if you think of uh, the typical Colombian soup of chicken, corn, avocado that's in the book. If you serve that in the in the black ceramic, it's just it's so different. I think that you know served in a traditional way make make a big difference. The same with the Korean um, tofu and and 
pour cop pot if you use a really dark kind of Korean. Um, they're made out of, I think they're made out of iron, but it, it also makes such a big difference. You're communicating a lot more about the recipe by using that vessel. I'm not saying that people have to go out and get all the vessels, but I, if there's one I would get is the terrine. I think the terrine is, and I find them sometimes in fates. There's always yes. a couple for like a couple of euro, the lion head one or something like that. I just think that looks beautiful at a t on a table. Well, you're certainly making Phil hungry. And I think you've mm -hmm. made um, uh, what could be quite a bland um, discussion on soup sounds so um, interesting and, um, and appealing. So thank you very much. And um, before we we finish up, I always ask my guests about three tips that they could use to improve their health. And I know last time I spoke to you, you gave me three really good tips. What would you add today in terms of your your three tips, keeping in mind the the soup book? Um, so I would say, you know, cook more legumes and have like a dedicated maybe day where you cook legumes and you freeze them. Get super cubes. Mm -hmm. I wish I would have invented that. And then I think just have more soups. I, I really love the, you know, we were talking about vodvinka, Ukrainian borscht, um, soups that have a lot of vegetables that are chopped, you know. Where okay, you're more really, soups that are not blended as such. Yeah. So soups that you're kind of getting more of that fiber and you're getting, you know, you're, you're, you're eating them slow, slowly or slower. So... Mm -hmm you know, you're telling your brain, okay, that's, you know, you don't need to eat too much. I think sometimes when things are too easy to eat, we, we tend to overeat. So yeah, those would be my tips for, for the soups. But um, I hope people like um, the soups They're I think they're, they're a nice eclectic collection of, of soups and, and, and people who are, you know, part of this international new community in Ireland. I think, yeah, I think it gives you a great insight into into the international community. And for those who want to know more, check out the, the Spice Bag podcast. I'm definitely going to try the tortilla soup and I'm going to go and get some ancho chili in picado. And I will try my instant pot uh, stock next time. And I may try that Moroccan soup. So um, is there anything else you wanted to add? We'll put the links in the show notes below. Is there anything else you would like to add? Oh, just... You know, thanks so much for having me. And um, um, I love um, all the work that you're doing and your journey about health. And I think, you know, um, we should always be cooking with that uh, in mind, you know, just are these things healthy? And, how, and find new ways to keep us, you know, engaged with cooking. I think we need to be mindful of that. If not, sometimes it gets really monotonous. So... I hope, you know, um, that you find some of these recipes exciting and and fun. Super. Thank you so much, Blanca. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast on Cook, Eat, Nourish with me, Fiona Staunton of Fiona's Food for Life. I'd really appreciate if you would subscribe, rate and review the podcast to help spread the word. And if you pop over to my website, Fiona's Food for Life dot ie you'll find lots of recipes videos inspiration and upcoming courses thanks a million mm -hmm.